Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now Welcome to another episode of The Creator's Outlet, brought to you by our friends over at the Inc. Marketing Team. Over 35 years in the business. If you need a little help on your Kickstarter, Indiegogo, or any other project, whether it's creating more viewers for your channels or getting your comic book, you know, out of the starting gate, contact our friends over at Inked Marketing. Right now, we'd like to welcome Adam from socialstudiescomic.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, how you doing? Good. So uh, where did this whole idea come from? Uh, this idea has actually been cooking with us. I do the comic with a really good friend of mine. We met when we were 14 years old, and we actually met through his drawing. Um, and we kind of were using characters that he came up with, you know, added some more since I met him. And we would draw comics. This is back in 1999. Uh, but it was not, like, written produced color you know we we're doing big pens school notebooks passing time while we should have been paying attention mm-hmm. um and just kind of did it for fun between our friends and then you know life takes you on different paths and stuff and we always stayed in touch we always stayed good friends and the comic idea kind of came and went and then a couple of years ago i had a really boring desk job i started to get really into writing and um i wrote a full-on script for what became our first issue it's a little bit different now and I sent it to him and I said, hey, do you want to make like a real once and for all go at this? And uh, that's the version that you see now. Cool. Yeah, I got I got to read that one earlier and uh, I, I I was entertained. It was it was fun, uh, well thought out, uh, goofy because, well, it, it's high school. 
Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it had the, you know, it had the upperclassmen picking on the freshmen and, you know, the the snobby, crazy girls and all the social media <laughs> angst going on. I'm like, wow, man, I'm glad I'm not in high school anymore. That's what we say while we write it. <laughs> I'm like, you know, so it was, it was, it's like a really fun read. And uh, does it stay kind of like in that all ages genre? Yeah, uh, we, we're keeping it, uh, the equivalent would be like a PG-13 rating. You know, we don't go too hard on things. Mm-hmm. Um, we use the uh, the cartoon swearing asterisks for effects sometimes, but we try not to lean on that as like a joke. Uh, we want it to be accessible to people who are maybe coming up on high school or just started high school. You know, we're not going for shock value in this. It's also, um, we take a lot of inspiration because we were, you know, born in the 80s, grew up in the 90s. And that was like the era of Nicktoons and, you know, the X-Men cartoon, things like that. So we took a lot of the inspiration for those, which were kind of all ages, you know, just fun. Yeah, well, I I was born basically in the 70s and uh, grew up in the 80s. So it's kind of like, a you know, an overlap. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, for sure. I, I was actually working in a comic book store watching the 90s X-Men cartoon when it used to come on oh, every nice. Saturday morning. <laughs> we never got any work done during the week when the the new issue, the new episode issues, the new episodes of Batman the Animated Series would come on. <laughs> yep. And then sat, Saturday Fox had that like huge kids block of, you know, X-Men, yeah, X-Men and Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Uh, and they started airing like the old Hulk cartoons from like the uh, late 80s, early 90s. Okay, yeah. So we basically just sat around and talked and, you know, we would get all our work done in like the first three hours. And- <laughs> yeah, you had to hurry so you could watch TV. <laughs> and then just pretend to be busy when people came in. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, like this. <laughs> Wait for the commercial. <laughs> you know, so it was, it was, it was kind of like that, you know. So, yeah, I guess I never grew up. Uh Hey, why? If you don't have to, I, I, I was I was skipping school to work at a comic book store. Then he was like, he "Goes you can't start work here till three o'clock in the afternoon." I go, "Okay." So I'd show up for homeroom. I'd go out to breakfast, and I'd wait around downtown until the comic book shop opened. <laughs> I was like, "Oh well." Yeah. So it's uh, it's you and your friend that couldn't be here today because of because uh, of busyness of real world work. Yeah, he uh, he's got a pretty intense schedule, and then at times he can just get called in. So he's got to do it. Uh, he might be able to join us late. I sent him the link and I said, "Pop in if you're able to." So yeah, that's cool. I'm I'm fine with that. So uh, where did your love for comic books first start? Uh, for me, as a kid, it was all superheroes. Um, like I mentioned, that 90s X-Men cartoon. But mm-hmm. in the mid-90s, then, it was also a great run of the Uncanny X-Men. Um, those Marvel trading cards were, like, everything when I was in elementary school. I mean, even they people are. who didn't read comics were into those. Oh, yeah. They were. They are hot again. Are they? I, I just sold my set for 88 bucks. I should go check my uh, parents' attic. <laughs> if if you've got a full set, especially if you have like, I only had, I never got the Spider-Man fighting Green Goblin hologram. That was like the hard hard one to get. But I got I got the the other uh, four, 
So I sold those four, I sold the four holograms for 20 bucks and I got like, you know, 53, 53 bucks with the set. Yeah, you not know, bad. Plus, plus ship. And I'm like, damn, like a month ago, I couldn't pay somebody to take these away. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And now I'm like, well, I've been, I was sad to see him go because I looked at him again. I go, oh man, these are so cool. What else is cool? Getting 88 bucks to buy more comics. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Just move on to the next thing. And, you know, there there I went shopping again. I'm like, okay, I got 100 bucks left in my account. What could I buy now? <laughs> you know? Yeah, so for did, sure. Did you have a favorite uh, writer at that time? You know, when I was into comics as a kid, I I didn't know the concept of a comic book shop. Um, it wasn't one accessible to me. It was just whatever I could get to on my bike. Mm-hmm. So most of the comics that I read, I would ride around in the summer to garage sales and pick them up for, you know, a quarter to a dollar, whatever they were. Uh, so I was always drawn to the X-Men, but I, I've i never been good at the artist-writer thing because as a kid, I just, I was into it, but I wasn't um, into it as like an education, I guess I could say, because I didn't have X-Men you know, whatever, 70, 71, 72, 73, it would just be like, oh, Wolverine's in this one. I'd buy it for a quarter, and that's the only one they had at the garage sale. So it was a lot more piecemeal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's what it was when, when I was growing up. There were no comic book stores around. There was a, uh, you know, before CVS bought every single pharmacy in the country. Yeah. Uh, there was a, a family-owned, you know, private pharmacy at the very top of my dead-end street. And every Sunday, my mother would say, come on, we're going to the pharmacy. She would go up and pick up her, you know, if she had any prescriptions due, she'd pick those up and grab the the big fat Sunday paper for all the coupons. And I, of course, would be excited to read the uh, Spider-Man, you know, newspaper strip, you know, in color on a Sunday. And, yep. <laughs> you know. If I behaved all week and didn't get in trouble at school, oh boy, and uh, you know was wasn't like you know bothering her when we were in the pharmacy, being quiet, and she would let me run to the you know spinner rack in the middle of the store and and pick out a book. So I my first the first book I bought that was like a teen book was. Uh, Legion of Superman and Superman Legion of Superheroes. So I fell in love with that team and I, I loved them up until Brian Michael Bendis destroyed that book last year. <laughs> Go back to Marvel. Leave my books alone. <laughs> um, and of course, Batman, I still had the very first issue of uh, Detective Comics that I ever bought. And nice. I, well, I bought other ones, but this was the first one that I bought with like, you know, money that I earned, you know, around yeah. the neighborhood, you know, shoveling yeah, the right way. You bought, yeah. Yeah. You know, raking leaves for people or, you know, washing their car or whatever. I was I was always hustling. Why, why are you always looking for work? You're going to hate it when you get older. And they were right. I hated it when I got older. But, of course, but you're gonna—it's inevitable. <laughs> but but back then it was like you know it wasn't you know you're not working all day you work you you know even if you're washing somebody's car you work for like a couple hours and yeah you'd be all done and you know and you make like a few buck you make like a, a buck or two washing somebody's car 
you know, in their driveway and you immediately jump on your bike and ride up to the corner store and, you know, buy a mitt full of comics. Cause back then they were like, you know, they were like all under like bah, the most expensive book was like 50 cents. So I'm like, Oh, I just made $2. I can buy four really good books. Ooh, a hundred, a hundred page dollar book. Well, yeah. we'll, we'll take one of those. And, That's the rest uh, of your day. You know, and then I'll buy like, you know, three 30 cent books. And then I'll be looking for like, you know, some petty candies by the, by the register so I can make sure I spend all $2 that I right. <laughs> You know, so, you know, that was pretty much my story. So I've been, I've been reading and collecting comics since 1974. So. Wow. Yeah. I, I wish looking back that I was a more serious collector because I always enjoyed it. I always enjoyed the stories. I always enjoyed the art. Um, I wish I put it together. Hey, this guy wrote this one that I liked. I should see what else that guy wrote or this artist did, you know, Captain America in the way that I really like. I should follow him. I just for some reason that didn't come until like early high school, really. Um, another friend of mine, not the one I'm doing this comic with, but another friend who was big into reading comics would be like, oh, hey, me, you know, we're going two towns over to the comic book store. Let's go. Oh, you know, so-and-so drew that one. You should also check this, this, and this out. And he kind of gave me that education to jumpstart it a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, at first, I wasn't paying attention to the names. I was like, you know, great art, love the characters. And, you know, my uh, my first exposure to anything like superheroes you know, I was three years old. My mother put the TV on after I ate breakfast, and Adam West and Burt Ward came <laughs> on in the uh, the glitz and glam of the Batman '66 show. And yep, first person I saw him fighting with was the Joker. Uh, and ever since then, who's your favorite villain? Oh, I don't know. It could be Joker. I yeah. was, I would still like you know if it wasn't for the fact that you know. Marvel and DC are owned by, you know, evil corporations besides themselves. Uh, I would have liked to see like an amalgam, like graphic novel where it was Dr. Doom and the Joker versus, you know, X, Y, and Z from, you know, both sides of Marvel and DC. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Those crossovers are always so uh, appealing for comic fans because it's, it's a big what if. Yeah, like the Treasury Edition with, uh, you know, Batman fighting Hulk, mm -hmm. uh, which, you know, as a fan of both those characters, you know, I call bullshit. There's there's no way that Batman knocked out the Hulk. <laughs> Isn't that the thing with Batman, though, is he always has a contingency? He always finds a way? <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, he knocked the air out of, out of Hulk with a body blow. Yeah, yeah. I don't think so. Well, it's also, which era are you reading? Is it Batman or is it basically Bat-God? Because <laughs> he goes a little crazy. Oh, no, but, but this, you know, that Treasury book came out back in the 70s. So, yeah, that's true. You know, so that that was back when, you know, Batman used to get his ass kicked like his name was Daredevil. Right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, his Daredevil's Marvel's punching bag. So I'm mm -hmm. like, but there, there's like, there's like, you know, perfect runs in like just about every title. Like, if I think Fantastic... Hey, we'll give you any issues of Fantastic Four you want to read for free. I go, okay. Give me all the issues John Byrne wrote. Because that was basically... To me, that was basically... 
outside of, you know, Lee and Kirby back in, you know, back in the golden days, you know, the beginning of that run, um, semi, you know, modern bronze, you know, stuff when I was growing up, uh, his run on fantastic four is, you know, for that title is equivalent to Claremont's run on the X-Men. They were both, you know, you can pick like certain things apart here and there, but I mean, as far as anything past, present and future, uh, those, those are probably like the best writers for each of those series at that time. Yeah. Okay. Unless of course you listen to, uh, Neil Adams tell you how he saved the X-Men. <laughs> I do like Neil Adams, but, uh, it's a, it's a true story, but, uh, and I got—I actually got to talk to him back in 2019. I met him. Uh, I was covering a convention for uh, Outright Geekery, and I got to—I got to meet like a whole bunch of people. I was just like, "Wow, I'm getting paid to do this." Yeah, that's awesome. You know, got in got in for free on a press pass all weekend, and uh, I talked—you know—got to talk to Neil, and I thanked him for his work because I grew up on—you know—I came in the end of his run. And pretty much kind of like the beginning of Jim Aparo's run when when Jim took Batman titles over from Neil. So, you know, I've, sometimes you go into uh, like a five and dime shop and they'd have like older issues, like in the back of the, the back of like the magazine rack, not on the spinner rack anymore. Get, okay. lucky, to, get lucky to find those once in a while, but. You know, when, once I found my first comic book shop, I was 15. And I was just, well, you know, cutting school and walking through downtown. I'm going up the wrong way on a one-way street, but I was walking, so I guess it was okay. And uh, there's a bunch of, like, insurance stores and, uh, you know, a couple of restaurants across the street. And I walked, you know, I walked past and I saw the, I saw the place and it didn't dawn on me till I got, like, a half block away. And then I like ran backwards and flinged op- flung open the door and acted like a total moron. Is this really a comic book store? Oh, great. With the response <laughs> from the owner who later employed me. So, but it, it was a lot of fun. I got, you know, over the years, I, I learned a lot about, you know, characters that I di- didn't really know anything about. Like yeah. until, until I found that store, uh, I had never heard of the X-Men before because the only Marvel titles that ever appeared on the spinner rack at that store at the top of my street when I was a kid were, uh, you know, Amazing Spider-Man, Spectacular, and, uh, you know, uh, Marvel Team Up or something like that. I had, I had, I saw Angel in a in a Spider-Man Nova crossover because I used to get I used to get some Novas when I was a kid there too, and. I thought that character was going to go, well, he puts on a helmet and he basically becomes like Superman. So what's not to like? Right. <laughs> but so obviously you're drawing a lot of influence from, you know, growing up in, you know, high school and middle school and, you know, Awkward situations, <laughs> yeah. you know, from the age of 12 up, you know, you know. Yeah, it's, uh, 
it's fun to to dive back in and uh you got to be really honest with yourself <laughs> um and it's also fun to dive back in with a friend because like i said we never fell out of touch but when we decided like okay let's go for this let's do it for real i mean if two days go by and we don't talk on the phone for an hour you know talking about a story or where he's at drawing the next one, where I'm at coloring the current one or what's coming out and really, you know, whatever's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's almost weird now where before we would talk, you know, maybe once or twice a week or once every couple of weeks, if he got busy or I got busy. Um, but it's cool because it kind of gives us an excuse to hang out the best we can, even though we're on opposite coasts of the country. Um, but it, there's just been so much upside to like, you know, data mining the past and talking to my long-term friend, you know, I've known him, 21 years and just to dig into all the old stories and the, the stupid things we used to get into. And, you know, looking back on it all, it's at the time it was probably serious, but looking back, it's like, it's, it's not. (laughs) Digging up old memories and then being like, how can I write this? So I don't look like, uh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And the characters do, um, they do stumble, you know, they fall, they, they screw up a lot because we did, and we're we're trying to be pretty honest about it. So, I like the little disclaimer that's uh, inside the front cover, number one. <laughs> okay, that was uh, that was entertaining, and I read I read that, and it basically set the mood for the entire book. Awesome! I'm glad that it came across that way. <laughs> you know, it's like it was it was just you know pretty much hilarious. Thank you. And we thought that was, in, well, one important, um, you know, because it's based on our high school experience and we obviously went to school with other people. And while there's no one-to-one ratio, like this character is this person, you know, you, you can never be too careful. But I didn't want it to be legalese. I wanted it to do what you just said it did, that it kind of set the tone for the whole thing. Yeah, it, you got a little bit of everybody in, in every character in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're the characters are, are, are very lively, you know, even the ones that are just moving around like this and really <laughs> not doing anything and like a, afraid of their own shadow. It's like, yeah, that was me every year when I would start school until I, you know, started to warm up to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the um, the guy I do this with, my friend Mike, um, he was, I think he did. 17 different schools by the time he graduated high school. So he was constantly the new kid. So there's a lot of that kind of like, where do I go? What's my group? And, um, you know, I wasn't like a social butterfly myself, even though I was in the same school district almost all the way through. So we kind of got pieces of both of that with him always being the new guy, always having to start over. And I think that it's, uh, it's relatable because even if you didn't move around as much as he did, Everyone knows what it's like to be the new kid at one point, even if you're in the same district, just going from middle school to high school is this big adjustment. Oh, yeah, that's just, you know, that's just torture right there. Yeah. It's like, I just barely got my footing in middle school, and now I have to go here? Exactly, yeah, and the the school that we went to at the time was so big, it had two separate high schools, and it had a few different middle schools. So even if you were friends with someone in middle school, the next year – there was no guarantee you were going to be anywhere near that person. Yeah, that's just that's just crazy. I I have I have a bunch of friends that uh, you know they grew up in like military families, so you know 
every time every time their dad or mom got got transferred to a different duty station, they'd have to you know they'd have to pick up and move. And yeah, uh, my cousin's husband just retired after thirty years in the Coast Guard, and they the last house they were renting for him being stationed there, uh, they bought and they're like, yeah, we're not moving. We're just going to stay here for the rest of our lives. <laughs> right. Yeah, moved, never moving again. <laughs> they, they've got like two young kids. Uh, their, their son's like uh, 12 and their, their daughter's like eight. So I'm like, yeah, stop moving around and, you know, let the, you know, cause it, it, it sucked. Cause I, I had moved around a, uh, a few times when I was younger and it, it's bad enough to go to a new school, but when you're going to go to a new school and, you know, attempt to make friends all over again, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I mean, I wish he was here to, to speak on it more, but um, I, I know part of him is like, it really sucked moving around that much, but the other part is he got to experience a lot by the time he was 18 years old. Um, oh you know, yeah. Yeah every different kind of person. He lived all over the country. He lived in other countries. Like he's, he's had a lot of good life experience. And then he did the military after that, um, art school after that, uh, police officer SWAT team after that. So he's lived a life already. So there's a lot he can draw from to put into his art. Most definitely. And it's, it's got, it's got a great animated feel to it. Oh, thank you. Like it, it's a, it's a little quirky, Mm-hmm. but it works perfectly with it. Yeah. Uh, that was something that I always loved his art like that because he can make a still picture with a Bic pen feel like it's alive. You know, this is better than Bic pen drawings, but uh, I just love how it comes to life. And like, we'll kind of break the story together and then I'll go off and write the script. And then we go over the script together and, you know, maybe this scene drags on too long. Let's chop it here. Oh, we could fit a joke in here. Oh, you know, we made this joke back here. Let's do a call back there. So I, I kind of say we're both the writers. I mean, I physically do the writing and format it, but, you know, we're going over it so many times. But when I write it, it's only just, you know, black words on a white page. And then he does the outlines, the penciling and inking. So he adds so much life and so much character and a lot of humor that wasn't necessarily in the script. You know, some of it was, some of the physical humor was, but some of it he just comes up with on the fly and gets it in there, and it really adds a whole other dimension to the comic, which obviously that's the whole point. It's a comic book. It's a visual medium. Mm-hmm. Well, you can almost hear uh, in, in certain scenes in that first issue, you can almost hear a couple of the girls rolling their eyes. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, I've been there. Yep. <laughs> I remember that when I, you know, I thought, you know, I'd say something to a girl at school and thought I was cool for about three and a half seconds. Yeah, this joke's going to land. And, no. You know, and, and then and then realize that, you know, the entire cafeteria is standing up, staring at me and laughing hysterically. Yep. <laughs> we get into all that. And I'm like, uh, and it was, you know, uh, those those moments back then when you would do like one thing and it would ruin you for the entire school year. Yes, that's that's something we're really trying to hit on is that at that age, every last thing feels so incredibly monumental. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, 20 years removed, you look back and it's like, man, I used to get so nervous about I wish that was my biggest problem. <laughs> like it's so much easier. Yeah, really. So we're kind of trying to tell young readers like, 
hang in there. This is not the end of the world without um, trying to downplay it because it does feel big to them. So we don't want to, you know, make light of it. Be like, ah, you don't have any problems, you know, get over it. But, you know, kind of give words of encouragement in a funny way. Yeah, to help the awkward years along and it's still, you know, and it's and it's fun for, you know, it's it's fun for all ages because, you know, the same the same like, you know, young teenager that could be reading this and enjoying it and laughing at somebody that's in the same situation as they were like two days ago. Yeah. <laughs> and they can loosen up about it a little bit. Yeah, that exactly. Same, the same kid's parents could kind of like, you know, sneak into his room when they hear him snoring and pick up a couple of his comics and go out in the other room and, you know, read them and get a good chuckle out of it and, you know, enjoy, and then try to sneak him back in and remember exactly where they took him from. <laughs> right. Yeah. We're kind of hitting both markets or both audiences. Um, you get the nostalgia hit and you get the, I'm, I'm there right now hit. Yeah. So it, I mean, it, it's a, it's a great combination, you know, all around for what you guys are doing. Now, your fourth issue is being released this week? Uh, came out yesterday, yeah. Came out yesterday. Now, you guys are just all self-published? Yep, right now we're all self-published. Um, we cut the, the story up into chapters, and every chapter is a season. So chapter one is fall of most of the characters' freshman year. A couple of them are sophomores. Um, so that'll take them through... Uh, fall into winter and then chapter two will be six issues same characters and everything but it's going to be winter and so four chapters will be the school year we're going to take them all the way through high school um and once we have we have seven issues for the first chapter just because there was a lot of groundwork in that first issue you know we have Mm -hmm. a lot of main characters um we're going to put them together in a trade and load it up with extra drawings uh, explanations, how we do things, you know, it's kind of like a, like when you buy a special edition DVD and you get all that extra stuff, uh, that we're going to run a Kickstarter campaign for. Okay. I was, I was going to ask, I'm like, I go, I don't remember hearing about this book, like on Kickstarter or Indiegogo. And I'm in like so many groups that are, you know, completely like, you know, pushing indie, indie comics right now. Cause you know, who knows if they're, you know, if their local shops are going to, you know, get their DC shipment from this company. And, and now Marble left Diamond and they went with another company. And Yeah, um, we, we went back and forth a lot. Like, do we put it out ourselves? Do we try Kickstarter, this and that? But neither of us have ever done anything in comics before. So mm-hmm. we kind of wanted to earn that audience trust before we went into it. And I don't mean that to disparage anyone who jumped to Kickstarter. If that worked for you, that's awesome. And it's probably an easier path when it does work out. Mm-hmm. Um, but we figured we can do it. So let's do it and try to build that audience. And then by the time we get to Kickstarter, we have seven issues. So if someone's just discovering it and they like it, they can, you know, wade in pretty deep before reading one and done. Now, have you guys ever thought, because uh, you just released the fourth issue, have you ever thought about going back and reformatting the issues to try to build a, a bigger base off of, like, you know, a Webtoons or anything like that? Uh, I am familiar with Webtoons, but we we haven't had a lot of conversations about cutting it up any different to put it on. 
Uh, one thing we talked about doing is when issue five comes out, because then we're getting kind of close to the trade, kind of close to the end of the chapter, we're going to switch our first issue, the the digital version, to be um, pay what you want. Like you could just get it for free if you wanted to, or if you want to throw us a buck or two, you know, we'd appreciate it, whatever it is. But just to try to get more readers in. Because mm -hmm. uh, we're not doing this to, you know, try to make a ton of money. You know, it's comics. You don't really make a ton of money. Most people don't. Um, that was never what it was about. We just want to tell our story and we hope people enjoy it. Um, now, I have to ask this question. Are you guys uh, a member of the Comic Related Madness on Facebook? Neither of us really do a whole lot with social media. I actually had all of my social media stuff deactivated for a long time until the comic was coming out. And then I turned it back on so that I could, you know, post on social media to, to promote the comic book. But I don't really use it personally. I just try to get the comic out there. Uh, you know, that's how I got in touch with you is through Facebook. Mm -hmm. um, so I try to use it for networking and things like that. But I, I try not to fall down the rabbit hole. Well, Comic Related Madness is a group of over 2,500 people now that are all active and, you know, comic supporters and indie backers. It's just, oh. a, it's <laughs> just a good place to, you know, you know promote the book. And uh, every month, uh, the guy that started that group does a uh, virtual con online okay. where you can, you know just pay attention to the posts and he'll put up a post for people to sign up and get, get like a time slot, either like I'm uh, on the Saturday or Sunday. Oh, that's awesome. Wait, you, when you said comic related madness, I didn't know you meant that was the literal name of a group. I thought you were saying there was a lot of crazy stuff going on on social media in the comics world. <laughs> so oh, I, there that's, is. How, that's how unaware I was. <laughs> there, there is, you know, I'll, I'll admit it. I'm, I'm kind of an ass. Uh, <laughs> Some somebody put up the first appearance of Lobo and Omega Men, and you know, yelling in all caps, "Make me an offer." So I put one dollar. Just thinking that you know, famous line from the original RoboCop movie, "I'll buy that for a dollar." <laughs> and uh, then then he called me a a nasty word and. Then another person came in right after me and said, one dollar and one penny. <laughs> and he called them even worse words. And it kept going on and on and on and on until it basically turned into a, you know, turned into, you know, some kind of like auction thing. I think he, right. deact I think he de deactivated his page because he was just, you know. <laughs> He opened a can of worms. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's like, look, if if you put up something and you're like, make me an offer, that just means that you want to dig in and, you know, overcharge for a book that's not worth it. Right. I'm like, you know, I'll, I'll make, I'll make posts, you know, through my, uh, through my Instagram. I'll, you know, post like, you know, a dozen pictures or so, and then just put for sale, DM me. And it'll go, it'll, it'll be the same post on my Instagram, my Twitter, and my Facebook. And if somebody reaches out to me, I'll tell them the price. I'll just, 
flip the book over and it's got it's got like a you know a sticky note on the back with a number and I'll, I'll dm them that picture and they'll either say yes no make me an offer or oh thanks but no thanks and yeah okay see ya yeah that's you the know, way to do it you know i don't put up anything like that and a lot of times if i'm making a sales post they've all got all the books have sticky notes on them for the price that i'm asking Good, yeah. And I always put up, you know, priced as is OBO. You know, you know, if I put up a two hundred dollar book, you know, don't offer me like twenty bucks. Right. <laughs> you know, and then say, Well, I'll give you the twenty for it, but you have to guarantee me it's gonna be a nine point eight when it comes back. And I'm like, why would I sell you a book for, you know, I had somebody wanted to buy my uh, Teen Titans 12 first appearance of uh, Batman who laughs there. Or as he's better known in, you know, overseas in England as Judge Death. Uh, offered me like $100 for the book when they were selling for almost 200 at that point. But he wanted, he wanted me to guarantee him it was going to be a 9.8 because the CGC 9.8 of that book at that time was selling for a little over two grand. I go, well, if it is a, if it is a guaranteed 9.8, I'm going to send it in and get that money myself. Yeah, really? I go, if it's got a little bit of spine roll, guess what? Any book that you buy off of anybody else uh, or even, even your own like local comic shop, you should self press. Like, you know, if it's a series that you love, and you want it to be look great for the rest of your life. After you finish reading it, put it in your press and like, don't turn the press on, but just pull and lock it down between a couple pieces of cardboard and leave it there for about a day. And you know, it'll be flat as a piece of driftwood. And you always, you always, anything you want to send in, you, you always want to press. That makes sense. You know, and I know I know a lot of creators that actually when when they do their when they do their orders, as soon as soon as they get their their first run of books in, if they if they've done like if they've only done one cover, they'll send like three or four copies into CGC. Because then you know when you know people that are into the graded books, they'll see you know a, a title that they've never heard of before. Like all of a sudden, there's like you know three or four nine point eights of this brand new number one book they've never heard of to uh, hopefully uh, garner some support for it, and a lot of people are willing to pay for that graded book. It's just an idea. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about that. The obviously, I'm aware of what you're talking about. It's just a whole new world for me. For me, comics is always. I get it. I read it. I give it to someone else to read or it stays in a long box. And every few years I go through and read it again, or now they're just buried in the closet. <laughs> yeah. My, mine are kind of like all over. Cause as soon as WandaVision finished and that the news of that, uh, West coast Avengers 45, the first white vision started blowing up and they're like the book selling for over a hundred bucks. So I started going through all my boxes, mm -hmm. like about 150 of them. And uh, 
I still haven't found it yet. No. And I know I, I know I bought all four issues. I think I paid two bucks for like all four issues on a sale. And uh, so I haven't come across them yet. And I know what's going to happen. It's going to be in the very last box I look in. Yeah, of course. It's going to be right there. I'm going to be like. <sighs> and then by the time I find it. Nobody's going to be interested in that type. Yeah, of you got to hit the uh, hit it while the iron's hot. Mm -hmm. But so this book just came out. Where can people get this from? Uh, SocialStudiesComic.com would be the best place for it. We have a store set up there where you can buy the print or the digital or a bundle of the two, uh, and it's also on Comicsology. Comixology is okay. a little behind our release because our approval process takes so long. Mm -hmm. um, but we're on there. We're working on getting on Comixology Unlimited, but that's even harder. <laughs> yeah, I know. So we're working on that still, but it is on Comixology. And we're also, I think just the first issue cleared so far, even though we submit them all as they come out, uh, IndiePlanet.com, which is a indie comic storefront. But socialstudiescomic.com is your best bet. And then if you have any questions, it's a direct line to me. So we have uh, some shirts and stuff on there too. Oh yeah. Show up the shirt. We yeah. Go. We, we go through Redbubble, which is funny because I actually had a t-shirt printing business from like 2011 and then COVID was like the final nail in that coffin. Mm -hmm. And then six months after we sold all the machinery and got out of it, the comic came out and it was like, I really wish... I was printing my own shirts, making my own stickers, but, you know, timing. Now, I've, I've heard of a bunch of them. Uh, where's where's Redbubble out of and how, how do they compare price and quality-wise to, uh, you know, some of these other storefronts like Teespring and whatnot? I'm not sure where they're out of, but price and quality to me seems pretty much exactly the same as Teespring. Uh, T Public, I've also ordered stuff from before. They have a lot of options, which is why I went with them. Um, you know, like my my shirt fits way different than my friend, even though we're almost the same size. You know, for example, um, you know, my wife has a hard time finding ones that she likes to fit on, and they use not just like Gildan, which Gildan's a fine, sturdy shirt, but you could have the option for something a lot mm -hmm. softer, you know, a nicer feel, which I prefer. Especially because if we ever get Comic-Cons back, I'd like to go and try to meet people at a convention for the comic book and, you know, want to wear my own stuff, show it off. So I want it to be nice, comfortable, and... Yeah, get, like, those uh, Hanes 50-50 shirts. Yeah, or uh, even, like, the canvas stuff is pretty nice. Um, and I'm not sure how it equates um, money-wise. Oh, you know that Brian Wayne guy, too? Hey, <laughs> yeah. What's up, Brian? Yeah, we uh, we talked to him oh, just a few weeks ago, I think. Yeah, we're on the uh, we're on the same podcast network too. Is that the NSC thing? Yeah, it's funny because we weren't working with Inked Marketing when I first reached out to you about coming on. And as of two days ago, we are. So, <laughs> well, this is two birds with one stone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because 
<clears throat> so, you know, that's pretty good. Uh, plus, uh, Brian and I, uh, I'm in the same, uh, like, audio podcast network. He, he's in uh, ageradio.org, where you can subscribe to the audio version and download them. So this will be on on there after we finish. I'll download the audio, and then I will get you the uh, the link via via Facebook for that as well. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. Because a lot of people just, you know, they'll put their phone onto Spotify, and they'll just, like, listen to, like, a podcast while, they, while they're stuck in ridiculous traffic on their way to work or something. Yeah, yeah. You know, just to listen to something different because, you know, they know it's going to be, like, the same seven songs. They're, <laughs> yeah. they're, they're either going to be stuck listening to Cardi B or Led Zeppelin. Uh, I would always choose Led Zeppelin, by the way. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, when you've got all their, when you've got all the Led Zeppelin songs like playing in your head and you own the whole library on, you know, on CD and vinyl, uh, you're like, oh, I can listen to this anytime. I want to listen to something different. Exactly. Yeah. Always something. And there's so much to listen to. So you always want something different. Oh, yeah. Brian says, glad you're on board with eight. Yeah, thanks, Brian. <laughs> Welcome to the family. We're looking forward to it. Um, I was trying to do a lot of the marketing myself because it's like, well, you know, I, I do web design as a day job and I know the basics of online marketing, you know, how to set things up properly, things like that. But it's just so much work, you know, work, work, and then working on the comic, promoting the comic. Like, it's just so much. It's like, let's get somebody who specializes to kind of help us get the ball rolling. Yeah, I know. I'm, I feel like I do more work now, uh, just podcasting five days a week than I, than I did before I was in a wheelchair, uh, you know, working like nine hour days. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm like, and, and sometimes I would work like 14 hour days cause sometimes I'd have to pull like a double shift on a Sunday. Yeah, it is. Um, it's a labor of love for sure. Podcasting and comics. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm podcasting about comics. There you go. You got both. Kevin has a pretty great success rate. He makes it really easy. Yeah. Kevin is from Inked Marketing for people who are just listening. Maybe mm -hmm. don't know, but he is, he's really good to talk to. We had a couple really long conversations with him before we signed on. And it's not like we doubted him or anything. It's just, this is a whole new world to us. You know, I'm, I make websites look pretty. Um, my partner is a, a cop, so it's marketing is not our world. <laughs> yeah, it's marketing's never fun. Like if I was if I was to if I was to do a book, I'd have to have somebody else do my marketing because after there's there's only so many people I can smile at in a day. Yeah, and not want to run over in my wheelchair <laughs> and. Uh, I'm just like, no, I can't, you know, I love, I love comics, you know, I've loved comics my whole life and, uh, it's just, and now, and now kids are spoiled because every TV show is a comic book. Every movie is a comic book. Yep. Take three boat and try to find a show that's not comic book related. Mm -hmm. It's like, Oh, I found this movie called bulletproof muck uh, comic book. <laughs> they're like really I'm like yeah so every once in a while a friend of mine will text me and be like we were going to watch this 
is this a comic book too? And I'm like, hold on. I'll look at him. He's like, they made a comic book out of it after the show was successful. <laughs> One way or the other, it ends up being a comic book. You know, you know, just like, you know, a friend of mine was asking me, he goes, oh, I was looking, I was looking and I saw that there's uh, a Big Trouble in Little China comic book. I go, yeah, there is. Uh, and I found it to be obnoxiously terrible. <laughs> that property does really lend itself to being a comic book, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was, well, there's, there's another one, too, called Old Man Jack. I go, oh, no. They have the Marvel. They have the Marvel uh, credo in them. And they go, "What's that mean?" And go, "Well, Old Man Logan was a huge success for him, so then they started putting Old Man in front of every other character <laughs> to make a new series out of it." He was, "Oh, he was." So, have you read that? I go, "I read a quarter of an issue, and then I had to put it down, and I just." No, yeah. It, it was, you know, it was it was poorly written and it was it was too Steven Universe for me, shall we say. Okay, I think I know what you're saying. You know, it's like like I like silly stuff. Like I loved the Powerpuff Girls cartoon, Johnny Bravo, you know, Courage the Cowardly Dog. And I mean, I was in my I was in my mid twenties when that safe stuff came out. Yep. Will the social studies story stop at high school graduation, or is there a possibility of some college adventures? Uh, well, thanks for watching again, Mark. <laughs> um, we actually do have a lot of plans to continue it on, and we're thinking it might be like a, a sequel series. Or we'll just continue it with whatever. Uh, but as it is now, we have 103 issues outlined, I think was our final tally to get them through high school. Uh, but we did have ideas where we know where certain characters would go, You know, whether it's military, college, uh, getting kicked out of a college, coming back home. So we do have some stuff like that, always cooking. And if we ever come up with an idea we like for that timeline, it still makes its way to our living outline document where we keep all of our ideas. Wow. And, and thank you for putting me in your book. Cause uh, I, I was that kid that got kicked out of college and sent home. <laughs> <laughs> Something about drinking. I don't know. Oh, okay. I'm like, I didn't think college was much else. So <laughs> yeah, go, really. to couple, go to a couple classes and then you know figure out which one of your friends was work, working at one of the bars off campus and you know taking a keg back to the frat house <laughs> i i thought that was you know you know economics 101 too many 80s college movies <laughs> yeah you know find beer money and go i i finally moved out of the house and had people stop yelling at me and then realized I just paid for different people to yell at me. Right. <laughs> somewhere like, else to get yelled at. I'm like, what the hell is this? I go, at least if I went into the military, I would have had a pension out of it. Yeah, that's true. You know, so 
So 103 issues. I think that's the number that we have on our outline now. Because uh, we have the four seasons for every year, uh, four years of high school. And then we kind of had an idea to do a um, kind of like a bookended one where they sit down with their guidance counselor in their senior year and they say, where do you see yourself in five years? So we've kind of wanted to give like a little primer as to, uh, you know, hey, take Roy's character. And this is kind of where he sees his life going, which would kind of be a preview of what could come if, you know, when we continue it kind of like how um, TV shows do like a backdoor pilot. Well, they introduce a new concept in a popular show and then that becomes a show and they're just trying to grab some of that audience. That was kind of our idea, even though it would still be us. It's not like we're, you know, sending our audience anywhere else. It just 103 issues makes high school sound so long. (laughs) I'm like, man, I thought it was long when I went, 103 issues. Oh my God. It's a quick read though, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it was. It you know, it I I flipped through the pages first to get like a feel for his art and everything. And uh, you know, once that was and I sat down and I read it, you know, from cover to cover read the first issue from cover to cover, and I was like, I go, okay, I'm digging this. You know, it it was it was you know a very fun read to go through, and you know I think everybody will like it. Awesome, like yeah, we try to keep the energy up. We um we write it like it is animated. We write it like a sitcom where it has the cartoon zaniness and stuff, but it's still characters with feelings, and you know it's not just uh, slapsticky for the sake of it. So I think that helps kind of keep you engaged and keep you going because you're you are following a plot and yes, it's silly and funny, which we wanted to nail, but uh, I think that helps with it moving on. And let's get the website up there in the chat. There we go. I wish the other links worked for you because they, um, the first one does a lot of heavy lifting, introducing the characters. So in number two, we can just kind of coast. Now you know who they are. Let's, let's get into it. Let's have them get into trouble. Yeah, it, it might work. It might work on my gaming station, but like anything on my tablet, anything over, over like, you know, or two, it was like, eh. and then ask if I wanted to download it anyhow. I go, oh yeah. And it just, eh, no. It yeah. Just, I'll, I'll resave know. them as a smaller size PDF for tablets and stuff. And I'll resend them to you. Yeah. Let me, uh, work on this computer it should i also like sending at least the first two because the first one takes place almost entirely either in the school or in the mall where you have like the harsh bright lighting uh number two they're outside a lot at nighttime so you get a whole different look yeah really denied denied Google Drive killer viruses. Uh, oh yeah, it's way too big. It's it's uh, issue two is 138 uh, megabytes. Okay, yeah, I'll save a smaller version, and now I know I'll be sending it to everybody because you're probably not the only one of the problem. 
Well, it seems to be downloading it on my computer. There, obviously, right. even with my uh, extended memory on the on my chip in my uh, tablet, there there wasn't enough room because it it is so big. Okay, yeah. Sorry about that. I can still resend it if you want. And you can get it on your tablet. Let's see. And no. No, it's not working. No, it's 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 working. Okay. Because yeah, because nope, that's the wrong one. I hate it when this when there's more than one name. Automatically goes to the wrong one. How about this? There it is. Here's the cover of number two. Homecoming. Good. I can read that later. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, what? What kind of tiers do you have set up on uh, on the website? Do you have like bundles, like preset bundles already? Uh, that's something that I was tossing around um, and a lot of people have requested it, which I do appreciate the feedback and I try to get back to everybody. Right now it's just, you want issue one, you buy it, you pick print or digital or you can get print and digital and it'll knock a couple bucks off if you bought them separately. Um, and if you want to, you have to go into two, three. It's not like buy chapter one yet. I wanted to do a subscription where you could sign up for X amount of dollars, whatever it would be a month, and I would either mail it to you or a cheaper subscription to just get the download the day it came out. But the problem I had with the subscription was we're going to do seven issues in a row, one per month, and then two, maybe three months for the Kickstarter campaign for the trade before the next chapter starts. So I didn't want to be charging people the subscription rate when there's no book coming out. And I didn't want to have to cancel it and then tell them to rebuy it because that might turn people off. And I'm also worried now that we're on issue four. If they buy a subscription, how do they get seven? You know, and I would have to, from now on, seven issues. It's a lot to track, uh, which I guess is maybe a poor excuse. Um, I, I don't know. I keep tossing it around in my head because I do the whole website thing, too. I think what I'm going to do is when we're getting ready to release the seventh issue, we'll do a bundle of all of them, even though we have the trade coming out, the trade's going to have a lot of extra stuff in it too. So it'll be a little bit more money, uh, but I'll put those both up there. So people have the option uh, and then maybe starting in chapter two, I'll start with a subscription because then it's a kind of a fresh start, a good jumping on point for people. Yeah. I found from, from like all the Indiegogo's and Kickstarters that I've seen, that usually what they do is they'll they'll run like a crowdfund for like the newest issue for when it's you know when it's going to come out. But you know setting up a Kickstarter is you know almost more work than making the actual book. Yeah, that's why we're saving it for the trade, and then we'll keep putting out the issues ourselves. And if the first one goes well, then we'll do a trade for chapter two, a trade for chapter three. And then people who like to to binge the stories, to use the TV term more, can just 
wait for the trade, get the trade, and then they have, you know, the bigger books lined up. Yeah, the trades are usually the bigger sellers. Their uh, trades and graphic novels are like almost 70% of the comic book market. That makes sense. You know, because, you know, everybody's used to binging stuff. Yeah. They don't want to, you know, it's like, well, I could pay $5 for this book now and read this floppy and then have to wait another month until the next book comes out, slap down another five bucks and read that. Or I can wait until the graphic of the trade comes out and I can slap down, you know, 20, 25 bucks for like 140 pages and sit down and just read the whole thing and throw it on my bookshelf after. Right. And, yeah. And it's not, it's not taking up this much room in a box. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that, that is something that I've been kicking around. I got to find a nice, smooth, easy for the user um, solution to it. So this one just came out yesterday and it means you have another one coming out in uh, another like three and a half weeks. Yep. One's coming out on the first of every month uh, up until July and then August, September, possibly October also. I've never done a Kickstarter campaign. That's why I'm a little iffy on the timeline. Um, so if we need the full three months for Kickstarter, that's what we'll do. And then chapter two will start, which we already have. We're already working on the third issue of the second chapter. So, so all the issues for the first, the first chapter are like already done. Yep. You just, you know, waiting on like the 30 day release. Yeah. We're waiting on the 30 day release. And that also buys us time to get the next chapter done. <laughs> Cause if we dumped them all at once and someone got really re into them, which would be a great problem to have. And they're asking for more. It would take us a long time to get six more issues done, but this way you got, you know, you got X amount of issues all done in the bag ahead of time. Yeah. So you're actually working on, you know, issue three, chapter two. Yeah, we're we just released issue four and um, Mike's currently drawing issue 10 and I'm currently ink or not inking lettering uh, issue nine. Yeah, so you're like you guys are like, you know way ahead of the stretch, which is, which is good, you know, mm -hmm. you know, cause you, you work like a, a regular day job and he works more than a regular day job. So, right. So then if something happens where we can't get anything done for a week or two, which we try our best not to, mm -hmm. we have a little bit of buffer, you know, we hate to burn up that buffer cause it's so hard to gain back. But, uh, that was our plan. We also thought that, um, you know, if we release issue one and we put a ton of time into marketing it or, now we're working with a marketing company for paying them to market it and things are going good and we start to get a reader base. We don't want it to be three months before issue two and then maybe issue three is the month later and then a couple months. We want it to be nice and consistent for people. Well, that that's a that's a good idea. I know uh, a couple of publishers that they do Kickstarters, but they won't kickstart a book until the entire book is done. Yeah. Like everything they've, you know, obviously, you know, Writing, you know, takes, you know, takes quite a bit of time, but it's it's not as long as, you know, doing your layouts and your inks and colors and then lettering on top of that, uh, you know, obviously all takes time. And if you've got somebody different for each department, 
you know, you got to send that file to like the next guy and to the next person and to the next person. Right. Yeah. Until, yeah. Until like a completed file makes its way back to the publisher. And then he's like, and then the publisher is in the meantime, while everybody else is doing that, he's planning out and, and setting up the whole Kickstarter ready for launch. So when he gets that completed file back, he'll look through it. He'll send it off to the printer and get, you know, a couple of samples set back. So everything, you know, looks the way he wants it to in the book. And as long as he gives it the thumbs up, then he'll, he'll send in, you know, he'll send payment to the printer uh, even before starting the Kickstarter. And then once the Kickstarter finishes, everything's there. All they got to do is box up, you know, all the, you know, the books and all the extra goodies, you know, dare I say bookmarks. And I, I used to complain about the bookmarks, but now I'm like reading like 12 different books at the same time. You know, trades, omnibus, uh, even even a couple like, you know, proper books. You know, there's only a picture on the cover. Nothing but words inside. It's scary. <laughs> yeah. It, it's scary. It's like, what do you, you know, my, you know, my daughter's like, what are you doing? I go, I'm reading a book. That's not a comic. I go. I know I'm scared. <laughs> she's like, try oh. something new. She's like, oh. rolls her up. You know, she's going, you know, going to be 13 in a couple months, you know, 13 going on 30. Yeah. You know, so she rolls her eyes in the back of the head. You're so stupid. <laughs> back into her room on her iPad. I go, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> At least dad's reading. Sounds about right. Yeah. Par for the course. Yeah. You know, every time somebody goes, how old's your daughter now? I go, she's going to be 13. It's all, always followed by, oh, man, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm like, why? Oh, you'll find out. I'm like, oh. Getting into that fun age. Oh, God. You know. It's crazy. She was in the, she was in the comics for a while, and I'm, uh, I was in a coma back in 2016 for like a few months. And then oh. I was in rehab for almost three years like i couldn't i couldn't move my legs or stand or anything for close to a year oh uh, sorry to hear that and i've got well it all worked out for the best you know i'm lazy and i'm in a motorized wheelchair what else could you ask for um, silver lining i guess if you want to put it that way yeah you know you gotta you gotta you know be you know get what you get and don't get upset kind of thing yeah I just wish I had a real horn instead of one that just goes peek, peek. <laughs> I want one of those like old fashioned truck horns on it, you know? Yeah, there you go. I'll find a way to hook one up. <laughs> scare, scare the people in my building going down the hallway when they hear. So you've got these coming out every month. Yep. You guys are so far ahead of the curve on everything right now. Well, thank you. <laughs> Trying to be. Yeah, I I mean, there's there's only a few people that I've talked to that actually have, you know, a good hit, you know, three to four books at least minimum, you know, already, you know, all set, all done and ready to go. And, you know, it's like, well, this is chapter one. How many books? This many books. What are you working on? Go. Oh, we're like halfway through chapter two. Well, so you guys started like 
what, like at least a year ago on this? Um, yeah, I think it was November 2019. We started coloring issue one, I remember, because I was, we actually originally had someone else who was going to do the coloring because I didn't, I never colored a comic before. I didn't think I had the chops. Um, a really good artist we know. Um, his name's actually Andrew DeVal. You can look him up on Instagram. I don't, he, I don't think he's too active right now, but he goes through spurts where he posts a lot of art. He's really good. And he did this awesome thing for me where he said, you know, this book is so personal to you guys. Why don't we get on, I think it was Google Hangouts we use where we could do some screen sharing. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and I'll just teach you how to color a comic. So he took time out of his own day and just kind of gave me a crash course on how to color comics. And I went from not doing it all to coloring our first issue inside of like a month of learning. So huge yeah. shout out to Andrew for the help. Because oh, yeah. I, I love that I'm doing it. I love that I can participate in the art of it. And uh, as much as it would have been cool to work with him because I love his art, it's very cool to just, here's a thing made by, you know, just a friend and I were the only two people in it. And it's like, you know, Andrew, if you want to teach somebody else how to color. <laughs> I mean, I got a box of Crayolas, but, you know, that's about it. Yeah. You know. Uh, I, I have a good friend that's a colorist too, uh, who, who's always working. He's a, you know, like, like most guys in the business, you know, you're, uh, you know, you're basically freestyling, you know, you, you put your name out there and people contact you. Uh, this is the project and, uh, you know, please let me know if you're interested in it, if you have the time to do it. And you look at it, and it's either something that you dig that you'd be in, that you'd really like to get your hands on, or it's like, eh, nah. And you pass it up, and you know, go on to the next thing. Yeah, yeah. Thinking of a, a professional uh, colorist who like makes their living coloring books, working with a lot of different people. I don't know how they find the time because just to do one, like I, I don't, I could not take on a second. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of time. Oh yeah, it's like you know. It was like it was it's coloring a book, so what? Uh, really? Yeah. I go, it's not like a coloring book. Right. <laughs> where you can leave like, you know, ninety percent of the pages you can just like leave all white and color the principal. Everything has to be colored. Colored and shaded and lighting effects and <laughs> everything. I mean, even if they're standing <laughs> in snow, you have you have to shade the snow. Yeah. You know, oh, now I'm thinking about it. I go, never mind, Andrew. That just sounds like too much work. <laughs> it's a lot of work, so much so that after I got done with the first book, uh, I, I sent him, you know, copies of the colored pages and thanked him for helping me out. And I said, but I got to be doing something wrong because this can be anywhere from two and a half to four hours on a single page. And he's like, that's about average. You're, you got it. And I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so you, you don't want to make too many of the books like 64 pages. So. Yeah, some of them in the, the beginning here are a little long, like in the 30s. Uh, you know, we want to give people good value for dollar. We don't pay a ton of attention to the page count. We just try to get our story out. Uh, but we realized if every book comes out 35 pages instead of 25 pages, every third book we could have gotten one, you know, an extra one done. Uh, so we're not trying to shortchange the story by any means, but we're a little bit more conscious of it. Uh, we had some script issues in the beginning where we were, they were too short and then we'd cram two stories together 
then it was too long. So we had to kind of take it back to basics and start over, you know, keep the ideas, but reconstruct them. Yeah. You, you always want to kind of like leave an issue of any given book with, you know, on the edge, teetering on the edge of the cliff where people just like, you know, and then they flip that last page and realize that they just read the last page. Mm-hmm. And now they're like, you know, they're fiending for like the next issue now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, doing a comedy. Uh, hopefully we get that across because we, like I said, we write it like a sitcom. So at the end of the episode, it's kind of like the end of an, or the end of the issue is kind of like the end of an episode mm-hmm. where the, the stories within that are, they're pretty much tied up. You know, the characters will carry over and repercussions and everything. Of course uh, it's ongoing, uh, but you'd get the full thing. in one issue. So you could read issue three without having read one or two, and you might miss a couple small things. Um, I think issue four is the first one where if you don't read issue three, you'll be able to follow it. You'll be able to put it together, but it's all set up in the prior issue. Yeah. Well, you kind of like want to read all of them. Like, yeah, I would hope. (laughs) Like I've bought books where I've actually missed, you know, I, I bought series where I actually missed like the first couple of books figuring, well, They'll re- the store will reorder them for me and I'll get them in in a couple of weeks. And then like a month and a half goes by and Diamond just keeps canceling the order. Uh, okay. Putting it back in and Diamond just keeps canceling the order. Uh, then we find out, you know, found out like years later that Diamond would keep canceling uh, local comic shop orders because... Uh, next planet over was part of them and we're in the same warehouse building and they would be like but we don't have any orders for this now granted but uh in case we do we want you to hold like 50 issues of this x-men book and we want you to hold like you know three pallets of silver and modern age bags and boards then all of a sudden all these other all these you know other like you know, mom and pop shops can't get any supplies, can't get, you know, can't get this title, can't get that title because the store wants to make sure that they have plenty on, you know, on retainer in case they get a big order in. Now. So, it yeah. was, you know, it was a little, it was a little crazy. And now uh, from what I'm hearing, a lot of stores can't get supplies in to save their life because when diamond shut down, so did the production of all, you know, all the companies making the bags and boards. Because there, right. no there was no way to ship any, you know, without them. And a lot of the other, you know, routes of shipping, you know, went down. And they and they closed down their own factories for like a couple of months during that. So now they're like, you know, six months to a year behind on production. Yeah, I, I can see that. I mean, everything got so far delayed and pushed back and then. Diamond had a couple big hits with uh, first DC leaving and now Marvel. So, yeah, I'm like, what are they going to do now? Yeah, because they went from being basically a monopoly. Like, if you want a new comics, it was Diamond. Like, that was kind of the end of it. And now that's not the case at all. Now it has gone back to the way it was in the late 90s, where you had to order your Marvel comics through Marvel. You had to order your DC through a DC rep 
And then like any independent stuff, you had to order like independently. So it would cost you, you know, you were paying more in shipping than you were for books. Right. Plus your time to go to five different sources, you know, and, and yeah, you, you'd have to, you know, you'd have to go through like five or six different order forms and there was no way for you to get like, you know, any, you know, any small press or indie stuff unless you, unless you bought direct from them. So, you know, it was, it was, it was a little crazy and it's, it's heading back there. The problem is now is, you know, they're trying to raise the price higher and higher. Well, that, that's the hard thing too. And we kind of came across that where we we're trying to figure out what to charge for our book. And while money was never the, the main motivating factor, uh, it'd be nice to not lose money at a point. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but it's like, we can't really charge more than five bucks because that's what the big guys charge. Um, and, and not to get into like the gross money side of things, but at five bucks, you know, we're not profiting really. So it's, it's a tough balance to do where we want it to be cheap enough that people can get it. Uh, but we have to pay for it to be printed at the same time. So I see why everything's getting more expensive. It's just a shame. Yeah. It's, you know, a lot of people are, that don't want to, like, I am not a fan of digital comics whatsoever. You know, I like to hold the book in my hand and, you know, because it's, it's a whole different experience. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know they're like, well, with digital comics, it's not going to take up any space in your house. I go, yeah, but if somebody hacks my account, I've lost everything. It is a totally different thing doing it digital. Um, we, we wanted to give both print and digital just have the option. And we also figured with us not having a name in comics, you know, the digital copy is three bucks. You get it instantly. Try mm -hmm. it out. You know, you'll spend more than that getting coffee. So. Well, yeah, that's true. You know, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't go out for coffee anymore, but you know, well, yeah, I, but you know what I'll, I mean though, you know, a week, you know, a week's worth of coffee is like, you know, a nice big jar of coffee for me. I, you know, I don't drink, drink anymore, you know, cause college is long since over. And, uh, <laughs> you know, even though I'm Irish, um, I can't afford to drink the good whiskey and Guinness. So I will just drink coffee instead. <laughs> so, you know, I get, you know, I like the dark roast. So I'll get, you know, I'll buy like a can of dark roast, uh, you know, French vanilla or whatever. And, uh, with within like five days, that can is gone. Yeah. And if there's, uh, if there's that that virtual con that I was telling you about called CromCon, uh, if it's a weekend with that, uh, I need two of those because I'm going to go through one of those cans just on the weekend. <laughs> uh, they usually do a kickoff show like on a Friday. They'll start like they'll go like eight to midnight on a Friday, uh, if not later. And then Saturday and Sunday is is noon to midnight both days. Wow. And, yeah. You know, this, this past time Comcast kept, I had, I had like terrible storms. So my, my Wi-Fi was coming in, going out, coming in, going out, you know, power outages and all. So I'm like, eventually I just gave up and went to sleep, <laughs> but you know, I put in a good like nine hours this, this time around. That's a long time sitting in front of a computer. Yeah. yeah it's, 
it that's why i'm glad i had i have my tablet so i'll sit over here for i don't know like six seven hours and i'll be like i'm going for more coffee and then i'll just you know boot myself out of the stream make a big tumbler of coffee go sit in my recliner grab my tablet and go bump 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 hi i'm back yeah oh, exactly hey. i go i switched over to the tablet so when this battery dies uh, i'm probably just going to go to sleep <laughs> so make sure you let me know if your power is going out because <laughs> i don't want to end the stream because i fell asleep oh right yeah yeah you know <clears throat> but uh there's all kinds of avenues for for getting stuff out there the big thing with you guys self-publishing is you want to make it so you're basically not not reaching into your pocket for the money yeah eventually we knew that was going to be the case for a while which we're we're okay with it's not you know it's not too terribly expensive um you know we're just doing small orders and then when they start to run low just another small order uh, but ideally, yeah, we'd like it if the comic one issue paid for the next and the next and the next. And yeah, because it's, I know it's tough because uh, I was talking to uh, Sam Quentin, who's the creator of uh, 47 Furious Tales, which is a story of uh, the 47 Ronin, but told through anamorphic animals, you know, kind of like the, the turtles and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, when he did his first uh, crowdfunder, he didn't order enough books and ran out and had to like, you know, people had to wait to get their books in. Uh, so on his on his second issue, he ordered like over 4000 copies. Wow. And sadly, it's a ton of money out of your pocket when you do it that way. But in the long run, on the backside of that. Uh, the discounts you get for ordering larger numbers of a print run usually end up paying for themselves like within a few months if you're pushing the book. And now, absolutely. And now, and now some of the small conventions are coming back too. Yeah, we're going to have to inventory up to do some of those because I'm, I'm in upstate New York and New England is right next door and they have a ton of conventions when things are normal. So, yeah. Hi, next door. Are, are you uh, Massachusetts? Because I see your Bruins hat. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, sorry, you're in New York. <laughs> <clears throat> but uh, yeah, it's you know we're not we're not far from each other. Obviously, uh, you know uh, better than I do. You know how sad. Sadly, it's not going on because of everything still you know up in arms, but. Yeah, you know the the largest show around these parts is actually New York Comic Con. Yep, and that's usually where you know the big two have their uh, their huge meeting. You know, well, where the big two used to have their huge diamond meeting, uh, will now just have their you know independent panels with their own people and dealers. Yep, and you know Boston falls like uh, third and. The Boston show falls like third in line to New York Comic Con, and the Rhode Island show is actually somewhere in between New York and Boston. Yeah, I like the Rhode Island one a lot. I think, I mean, I, we had a good time at New York Comic Con. Um, I actually do a YouTube channel for So Wizard Podcast. They've been podcasting for years. 
Uh, we got to go to New York Comic Con 2019, and it was a great time. Um, as far as bringing the comic there, I, I don't know what a table goes for, and I don't think I want to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that That's something where you, you pretty much want to, uh, you know, if they allow it, they probably don't because, you know, the more money a con makes, the more, uh, pardon my French, douchey they act. Uh, yeah. Um, some shows you, you can go in and kind of like, split like a couple of tables between like you know three groups okay yeah i see what you're saying you know uh so if you do like you know basically it's like you know the vfw halls and you know the, the smaller the smaller venues which are better because those are actual true comic shows right people, you have people that are looking for comics yeah people are going there looking for comics and toys like you can't have a you can't have a, a dealer floor at, at any place selling comics if there's no toy vendors in there. Yep. <laughs> They're always going to show up, but you're going to get some good toy vendors and then you're going to get people like on the, on the third, third rate market with, uh, you know, old GI Joe's and Migos and classic star Wars stuff, you know, stuff from the sixties on through like the, you know, late eighties, you know, so like original GI Joe's through like, G1 of Transformers and stuff like that. But people are there for old, you know, older, older stuff. Mm -hmm. They're there, you know, they're there to meet, you know, comic creators and, uh, you know, if there's comic creators there, they want, you know, they're probably going to want to buy, you know, a book from you and get it signed uh, and hopefully like, you know, follow you in the future and, yeah, that's what we're hoping for, that kind of networking, yeah. meeting people face-to-face, -face, being able to talk to them about it, show off the artwork. Yeah, the virtual cons are great, but meeting people face-to-face -face is is really the uh, the best way to do it. Yeah. Uh, we got to wrap things up here, but uh, you can you can get a hold of Adam through socialstudiescomic.com, where you can order issues of the book, uh, digital and physical. Yep. And find out more information. And is there a certain social media platform you like people to follow you on for uh, the comic? Uh, we are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So follow us on whatever one you prefer. Uh, if you want to get a hold of me, uh, Social Studies Comic does have the Facebook Messenger set up. Uh, but Twitter would probably be the best aside from that. And it's Social Studies Comic on all three platforms? Uh, social studies comic on Facebook and social studies CB on Twitter because it was social studies comic was too long. Okay. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. And all the socials characters. are on the website too. Okay, cool. So go to the website. You can, you can follow them on all that social media, you know, stalk them around buy the comic, check it out. It's a fun read. You know, it's, it's good for pretty much, you know, all ages. Uh, anybody that's a middle school, you know, anybody from middle school age on up, uh, I think we'll, we'll dig it because it's it's dealing with their real world problems and <laughs> right. uh, everybody else. We will enjoy it uh, laughing back on days of yesteryear. Absolutely. Thank you. So, so I want to thank you very much for uh, for taking the time and hanging out with us tonight. Uh, like I said, uh, as soon as we wrap this, I'm going to start downloading the audio and it'll be up on uh 
ageofradio.org and I will send you I will send you the links and I will tag you in there's there's a link for it for Facebook and there's a link for it for Twitter and I'll tag you in both. Awesome, thank you. All right, uh, thank, thanks everybody very much and we will see you next week with a new episode of Creators Outlet. Good thanks night again. everybody. Good night.